Welcome to the Walter Paisley Movie House, where we celebrate the little engines that could not. Our music is by Jonathan Harmon, and I'm your host, Dylan Rory. Today is part two with Beverly Washburn, where we talk more about her film career, Old Yeller, meeting Troy Donahue, Molly B., Loretta Young, and of course, the legend Ted V. Michaels. She talks more about working with animals and her animal rights causes and what she's up to today. Hope you enjoy it. And uh, I'll see you guys again at the end of this. So after after Spider Baby, you did Pit Stop, also with Jack Hill. Um, and yeah. Also, your brother was in that with you. Yes, my brother. Uh-huh. I adore. Yeah, I know. He uh, he was uh, well. Ellen Burstyn. Ellen Burstyn, very had, young. <laughs> but yeah, but she went by the name of Ellen McCrae, and it was mm-hmm. before she was really famous. And then later she went on to be a big star. I mean, Ellen Burstyn. But um, he played her husband, and um, it was so fun working. Yeah, my brother also passed away, and I just adored him. He was the best brother in the whole world. And, um, yeah, it's just... You mentioned uh, that he had been good friends with Nick Adams early on, and Nick Adams (laughs) kind of became a part of your family for a while. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a sad story that's in my book. But... (laughs) You know, not all the stories are have happy endings, but most of them do, luckily. <laughs> yeah, I think you, you mentioned that as being kind of your first taste of stardom going to someone's head, basically, where he just, well, was just he sad. became a star it, and just kind of abandoned you guys. Yeah, and well, he and my brother, Nick Adams and my brother were, you know, very good friends, and my brother, uh, when Nick got the series The Rebel, it was suddenly he became a star, and my brother tried to see if he could get on as maybe his stand-in or even work as an extra, and Nick wouldn't even return his call, and yet he had camped out on our couch, and uh, he had been sleeping in his car, and he was a struggling actor, and my mother, you know, let him come and stay at our house. So that was sad. That yeah. just, I mean, it. It wasn't anything that anybody was angry about. We were just, it was just kind of hurtful that yeah. Yeah. wouldn't respond. But um, it is what it is, I guess, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> what are your, and I'm going to, I know you were very young when you worked on these films, but, um, you know, Capra, George Stevens, and DeMille, you've worked on films with them. Um, I know the DeMille movie, Greatest Show on Earth, that I don't know what were there a thousand people in that cast? It was so <laughs> packed least, with people. Right. I know. Yeah, and, and as I mentioned earlier, I had no idea I was being directed by Cecil B. DeMille because I was too young. I didn't even know who that was. So now I it's exciting. I think, wow, I was directed by Cecil B. DeMille. That's yeah. really cool. But it didn't mean anything to me at the time because I was too young and so for me, and I didn't know who Jimmy Stewart was because right. he was dressed as a clown. And so for me, we were on the set and we were supposed to be under the big top, you know, the tent at the circus. And so that part was fun for me. Yeah. So, yeah, so you have just a different perspective when you're six or seven years old as opposed to being an adult and being directed by George Stevens or Frank Capra or whoever, you know, just. It's just different. Well, later on, then, you start doing a lot of television work along with movies. Um, eventually, that leads you toward Old Yeller, which mm-hmm. um, we've got to talk about because I, I'm one of many children whom that movie caused to cry in front of his friends. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. That was... Uh... That was one another one of my favorites because I'm a huge animal lover. I'm I all my animals are rescues. And I was gonna ask if that movie kind of started you down that path or if you were an animal lover before that. No, I was always an animal lover from the time I can remember walking. I just love you know, I I, I rescue I so many dogs and cats and I tend to rescued the seniors because I always feel that they have a lesser chance of getting adopted and um, 
So, yeah, one of the reasons I was so excited about getting that role is the fact that I'd be working with a dog, and Old Yeller was a rescue, actually. His real name was Spike, and they got him out of an animal shelter, and he was a great dog. And we were, you know, people said we allowed to play with him and all that, but we never were able to, we couldn't actually play with him or, you know, play fetch or anything like that because he was very well taken care of and he I always joke about his dressing room was bigger than mine but anyway um, he would go directly back to you know his area and they'd always have fresh water and treats and he was treated very well so we weren't and, and then Tommy and Kevin and I we were minors so we would have to have schooling yeah. Um, we have three hours of school on the set each day, so we would, in between scenes, they would send us back to the big red trailer, and we would have um, school with the Mouseketeers from the Mickey Mouse Club, <laughs> and that's how my friendship started. Like Sharon Baird, mm-hmm. who was one of the Mouseketeers, is one of my best friends. In fact, she's coming here tomorrow to visit. Oh, awesome. Yeah, she lives in Reno, and... Um, She's going to come for a week just to visit. Very cool. And yeah, we and we we talk almost every day, and so um, anyway, I digress. Where was I? Oh, no, it's, it's that's what this podcast is—telling stories. Digress all you and, like. <laughs> well, I tend to ramble, so that's just cut right. me off. <laughs> I always say when I do these <clears throat> these interviews, like. Back in the vaudeville days, they had that big giant hook, and they could yank you off. And I always think somebody needs a hook to just yank me off because I start reminiscing, and I'm so grateful for my memories that I I tend to ramble. So cut me off at any time. You are absolutely fine. Um, Thank you. Prior to Old Yeller, you also worked with Loretta Young on the Loretta Young Show. Yeah. in your memoir, it's obvious that she played a big role in your life. Yes, absolutely. She was just one of the sweetest. And we stayed in touch throughout the years. And uh, I, I guess my my yeah, book, I, I do tell a few stories about her. But she was just such a sweet lady. And she, she gave me, she had so much wisdom. And I, I learned a lot from her. Um, what sort of things? And, well, you know, she, she would tell me stories of things that would happen to her in life and how, you know, in life, um, she said there's a difference in receiving and taking. And she explained that to me because she said, um, you know, there's that saying, it's better to give than to receive. Mm-hmm. And she said a lot of people give and some people um, just take and they take 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 and she said but there's a difference in taking and receiving because she was telling me a a story when she was young she was dating a guy and he was very excited he came over to pick her up and she said he was smiling from ear to ear and he said I bought you something and she said what and he handed her a box and she opened it up and it was can't recall now it was either a bracelet or a necklace and her immediate reaction was she said no this is way too expensive take it back you can't afford this you shouldn't be spending your money don't no no no. I can't take it no 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 don't take it back I don't I can't take it and she said in that instant his face went from this giant smile to this really sad face and she realized then that she took away his joy because he was so excited to give it to her. And she said what she should have said to him was, this is so beautiful, and I will treasure it always, and it'll, you know, I'll wear it and I'll always think of you, or whatever she would say to him to make him feel happy. But instead she said he was so excited to do that and she took away his joy by telling him no 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 it's too expensive you can't afford it you shouldn't have and all that so she said people need to know how to receive she said it's different you should never just take 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 you should 
Um, but there's a difference because if you take and you don't appreciate, that's one thing. But if somebody does something from their heart, she said, it's so much nicer to say thank you and this means a lot to me as opposed to you can't afford it, you shouldn't have done it. So it was a lesson. Tell that story in your memoir, and it—it's one of those. It, I've actually thought about it a lot since reading it, mm-hmm. and it is—it's such a poignant idea of of that. Yeah, it's something you don't think about often. It's a lesson, right? And she she just taught me a lot of things. She was just very um, kind, and she would invite us to dinner and at her house. And when my husband was so ill with cancer, she would do these sweet little things. Like one time I went to the mailbox and there was just this little sweet book on angels and um, that she sent me. And another time she sent me this beautiful crystal dove and she was so, she was just so kind and uh, gentle. And she was gorgeous. I mean, she was just... But, she, you know, there's one thing to be beautiful on the outside. It's another thing to be beautiful on the inside. Yes. And she was both. So I, I loved I loved her very much. And you worked with her on both of her television shows. The, the, you were also on the new, new Loretta Young show. In, uh, right. Yeah. yeah, it's on DVD now, but her son, Christopher, uh, had it made into a series, but the name was changed to... Christine's children and she played a widow with seven children and I was one of the seven children and it was a short-lived series because we were opposite Ben Casey Uh and that was a a very popular show in its day with um, Vince Edwards remember the medical show yeah and remember it I'm 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 only 50 but I'm aware of it yeah yeah, it was a very popular show, and they got all the ratings, and we were opposite them, so we didn't have a. So the series only lasted one season, but it was, it was a a really wonderful part of my life and experience, and uh, I loved working with her. Mm-hmm. It's just funny to watch her and because you see her smoking, and it's oh, like. Yes. And it's weird to see nowadays uh, the old movies. Everybody smokes, yeah, including Andy Griffith shows when they smoke and stuff. <laughs> I know, and it's even weirder to see women smoking. I think, but she smoked not only on the set all the time, but she smoked in the scenes. And here she's yeah. a mother of seven children with the youngest one, Tracy Stratford. I think she was about six at the five or six at the time. And she'd be smoking away, but <laughs> nobody thought anything of it at the time. Yeah, mom with seven kids, yeah, she's going to smoke. <laughs> <laughs> it was common then to Yeah. To you also met Dirk and Dak Rambo working on that show. Oh, I love them so much. Yeah, their real names were Orman and Norman. Mm-hmm. And they were from a little tiny town called Early Mart, California. And Loretta Young just kind of took them under her wing and she believed in them and they were two of the sweetest sweetest guys that ever lived i absolutely adored them and uh as people most people know orman a dirk was killed in an automobile accident uh by a drunk driver a woman who was driving um up on the wrong side of the street and he was with a friend of his in a volkswagen and, you know, the engine is um, back, so when they, um, when she plowed into him, the head-on collision, sadly, his car burst into flames, and he was burnt beyond recognition, and it was just devastating. And then Dak, um, who was Norman, he went on later to be quite popular. He was on Dallas and... Um, Guns of Will Sonnet, and uh, he did a lot of commercials, and they were just two of the sweetest, dearest guys in the whole world. I adored them both. I'm going to, do you mind if I just throw a few names at you and just kind of get your remembrances on them? Okay, sure. Um, how about Jack Webb from Dragnet? Well, <laughs> 
Uh, I did that one episode of Dragnet, and I think I was about eight at the time. Mm-hmm. And Jack Webb, <laughs> he, you know, he would crank out those uh, weekly shows, you know, week after week, and he never wanted to deal with having to memorize his dialogue. So they had a teleprompter, but I had never seen anything like it before. It was on wheels, and they would put it next to the camera, and it would this paper would like roll around and it would have his dialogue on it. So you know he had that delivery when you know just the facts, ma'am, and it. But it worked for his character. But the reason he really had no emotion is because he was reading his dialogue (laughs) rather. Memorizing it, but it worked for the character, and he kind of became famous for that delivery. You know, no expression, just kind of just the facts, ma'am. But for me, I had never seen anything like that before. It was, it was some kind of a contraption that I it, on wheels and everything right next. To the camera. <laughs> it made me laugh when that came up in your memoir, just because I, the, some of the dialogue is so rapid fire in that show, and just the thought of him reading that off. And yeah, keeping that pace going is so funny. Yeah, when, whenever they do his close-up, they would just put it right next to the camera, and he'd be reading it. And, <laughs> and so, but he would every year. I would get a Christmas card from him. I mean, obviously, he didn't sit down and write it out himself. I'm right. sure he had secretary or whatever. But it was the same. It was the same Christmas card year after, <laughs> and it was. It was just a white, it looked like a white business card, oh. and it would just season's greetings, Jack Webb, and it had embossed on it that that stamp, the Mark Seven Productions, mm-hmm. that was on his, <laughs> and it was the same one year after year after year. It was hilarious, oh, but I was honored. That, I mean, obviously, he didn't sit down and send it to me, but the fact that I was on his Christmas list always just thrilled me. That's great. Uh, What about Kevin McCarthy? Oh, he was wonderful, too. You know, I've had people say, why do you say everybody's wonderful? They can't all be wonderful. (laughs) But but for the most part, I have to say, it seems to me, looking back, the bigger the star, the nicer they were, for the most part. And there are very few people in the business that are not nice. And I was so fortunate to have worked with these people that were just incredible. And Kevin McCarthy was, inc- he was just, he was so nice to me. And he gave me, well, it's in my book, as you know, he gave me an autographed picture of himself oh, yes. that said to Beverly, a consummate actress. And I was too young at the time. I know what consummate meant. That's another story <laughs> in my book. But um, I was I was honored to work with him. I, I really was. He's such a great I, a character actor like him. You know that just can fall into anything. I, he's as as good in Invasion of the Body Snatchers as he is in, in um, no. like UHF, where he he just goes yeah. over the top in every scene. You can tell he's having a ball. Um, yeah. I just love that. Yeah. Terrific. What mm. about Lou Costello? Oh my goodness! Here we go. I have to. <laughs> it sound redundant, but honestly, he was so adorable. He was so sweet and kind to me, and I was thrilled beyond belief to work with him. That was one of my favorite roles. Um, that episode. I did three episodes of Wagon Train, but that one. Uh, I mean, the one with Ernest Borgnine was also, yeah. he was one of the nicest. I was nice- going to ask about him, too. <laughs> he was truly one of the nicest men that ever lived, and he was so fan-friendly. I was at a convention once with him, an autograph show thing. His line of people to get autographs was literally out the door awesome. and wrapped building i mean it was incredible and yet he and he was up there in age but he would get up from the table and come around and put his arm around if anybody wanted their picture taken with him he would get up and come around put his arm around them and stand there and take a picture and he would just do that all day long for his fans he was nicest he was incredible 
But anyway, so I love working with him too. But getting back to Lou Costello, he was so adorable. He was, and his daughter, uh, Chris, I don't know if you've ever interviewed her. She's terrific and sweet, sweet lady. And I just, I adored him. He was just so sweet. And there was uh, something, uh, a story about him in, in it. He paid me the highest compliment, and he just said there was, because they asked him about that role, because it was the only dramatic role that he had ever done. And he said in it, there was a little girl by the name of Beverly Washburn, and without her, I couldn't have done it. And oh, that's very it just sweet. I was so touched. It makes me cry now. I just He was just so kind. I, I, I just loved him to death. He was just the sweetest man and so funny and so cute and I, it was just such a pleasure and joy working with him oh, i love hearing that i've uh, i'm a big abbott and costello fan i love their television show it was so surreal oh, and strange i know <laughs> uh, i know i mean it's so great to laugh what's better than yeah. laughter Evan Costello Meet Frankenstein is one of my go-to movies. I had uh, the director Fred Olin Ray on here, and he and I were both like, that is like the movie you go to when you just need comfort. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the truth? Yeah. Yeah, he was terrific. Well, what about, and, and uh, this is a personal favorite of mine, Paul Lind. Oh, my goodness. Uh-oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you worked with him on Gidget. Yes, I know. <laughs> I always thought that the way he talked, that it was just a put on, and it might have been, I don't know, but I'll never know, because he never broke from that character. The whole, even if we were just walking to lunch, or in rehearsal, or on a break, or whatever, he talked like that, and um, he, he was hilarious, and you know, I played his daughter on that show, and I remember, I, I kept feeling like I was overacting but the director directed me that way he said don't forget you're his daughter so you have to be kind of like a chip off the old block so he said I want you to be a little <laughs> over the top so that's how I was directed in that episode to kind of I, I felt in my mind overacting but that's what he wanted because I'm supposed to be his daughter but it was a funny episode and it was um, it was really fun working with him because the whole time he never, you know, I don't know if that was, to, I'll, I'll never know if that was real or a put on because he never let on to be anything but that kind of, you know, talking like that crazy yeah, I, way. Every story I've heard, like from Bruce Valanche and other people who knew him in personal life too, that's just how he was. Yeah. <laughs> just him. That was hilarious. Well, I need to ask about the movie Summer Love. Um, it's just such a, a diverse cast that's in that film, and I don't know how much of it you remember, um, but a very young John Saxon, Shelley Fabre, um, mm-hmm. Troy Donahue, Rod McEwen, just <laughs> which, who I always remember from my parents' albums of him reading his weird poetry. Yes, um, I... <laughs> Jill St. John. Uh, Faye Ray. And uh, Molly B., who is a cult movie legend. Uh, yeah. For we listeners who don't know, she was in uh, Hillbillies in a Haunted House and The Young Swingers. Um, you and she actually <laughs> formed a pretty good friendship out of that film, didn't you? Yes, we played sisters, and she she acted like she really was, that we really were sisters. She was just very sweet to me. I adored her. And it's, you know, one of those silly beach movies that, you know, doesn't really have much of a plot. It's just kind of silly. But it was really fun to work. And um, I think I put this in my book. I can't remember now. Um, about Troy Donahue. Is that in my I think it is. Because um, I hadn't seen him in years. And I, over the years, people have managed to find me DVDs of some of the old shows that I was in, but I never could find Summer Love, and most people never heard of that film because it certainly didn't do big box office or anything. It wasn't a well-received film. It was just, you know, beach party-type fluff. And so, but I always thought it would be fun to have it, and I never could find it. 
And so years went by, and I was doing a convention. I can't remember where we were, but I think it was in, like, I don't know, Tennessee or something. I don't remember. But at any rate, Troy Donahue was supposed to be there. And I thought, well, he'll never remember me because, you know, I think I was 13 when I Mm -hmm. was in summer love. And he was a few years older than I was, so we didn't really run in the same circles because the older ones, John Saxon and Jill St. John and John Wilder and um, Troy Donahue, um, they all would hang out together where I would have to go into the trailer to do schoolwork because I was a minor. So I never really hung out with them, but they were all treated me very well and were always really nice to me. But I I hadn't seen them in years. So I heard that Troy was going to be at this uh, convention, and I thought, oh, he'll never remember me. But anyway, so we get there, and he comes walking out of the elevator, and I went up to him, and I said, Troy, you probably won't remember me. And he goes, Beverly. And I was so touched that he remembered me, and so we hugged. that story in there, yes. Yeah, and he said to me, that movie that we did, have you ever been able to find it? I said, no, I've been looking for years. I said, I've asked vendors. People have been trying to find it, and nobody can find it. And he said, yeah, me too. I don't have that one. And um, anyway, so the whole weekend, it was just a really fun convention. And afterward, you know, they would have us in a room, and they would have hors d'oeuvres and drinks and everything for all of us, and they treated us really well. And he was so dear and just so nice. And um, it was like two days later, I think it was, or the next day, I can't remember, uh, I saw that he died. And it was, I was devastated because he was so nice. And right after that, somebody found that um, that movie, I don't. My friend Janine Kaysen found it and sent it to me, and out of the blue, and I I was so sad that I couldn't contact him and tell him yeah. that, you know, we we had it that I could send him a copy, because he was looking for it too, but um, yeah, he was he was really really nice, and that was. That was a loss. It was a shock, too, because I'd seen just prior to that, and he was so, so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. You were also in that film with George Winslow. Right. Yeah, he and I. Very short acting career, but significant. Yeah. um, Everybody was kind of paired off with somebody, and so George and I were paired off because we were supposed to be the younger siblings and they ask us to do their laundry and it was just so silly because in the scene we put too much starch in the thing and so we take out a pair of men's shorts and they're standing up because we (laughs) (laughs) a really heavy plot in that movie but (laughs) oh gosh Did, did you keep up a friendship with him after the film I, no, I we got along great, but no, we didn't. Okay. You know, we were both kids. We were yeah, like yeah. over thirteen or something, so we didn't really stay in in touch. He but. Had, um, later in life, I know he had taken in. Um, he started rescuing feral cats and Aww. doing a lot of stuff like that. Um, once he'd gotten out of acting. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, that name came up in that list too. I was like, oh. Old Foghorn. <laughs> oh, isn't that funny? Yeah, they, they nicknamed him that. Voice. <laughs> well, how did you end up meeting Bobby Boris Pickett? You know, it goes back so long ago, it's hard for me to remember. But back in the day, um, they had, like now they have People Magazine and the Inquirer. But back then, they had... Photo play and modern screen and teen magazine and teen beat and tiger beat and all that kind of stuff. And so the publicity departments of the studios would put together these phony dates and make it look like you're on a date. And then they would send a photographer and take your picture. And then it would go in the magazine and it would say things like, uh, Johnny Crawford was seen out at the circus with actress Beverly Washburn. Right. 
It would be Bobby Rydell and Beverly Washburn were seen holding hands at the Will Wright's ice cream parlor <laughs> and stuff like that. And it, they were all set-up dates. And so Bobby's, um, you know, his famous song, The Monster um, Mash, Bash, yeah. was Monster Mash. Um, he was quite popular then as singing, and I was working quite a bit. So his publicist and mine put us together for um, like a phony date and so they took a picture of us as though we were on a date but we just kind of clicked and so we dated quite a bit I mean nothing major real heavy serious but we really enjoyed each other's company and we went out several times he was he was a lot of fun I was really sad that he passed away too many people are just, uh, that we've happens lost. as we get older. The older we get, the less friends yeah, we have with us. So. I know. We've lost a lot over the past couple of years. Well, you are a recording artist yourself. Well. With Everybody <laughs> Loves Saturday Night. Well, that's Martin a bit of a... Break, maybe your own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, that came about in a strange way, too, because... I mean, I'm not exactly a singer, but that was fun to, to have a recording. I think your vocals are very fitting for the day. They sound great. It's well, a great little bubble gum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. It was, thank God for the echo chambers and all that. But. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was fun to do that. But. It was, how did that come about? Well, I was with William Morris, the agent mm-hmm. at the time, and I was... Uh, I believe I was doing the Loretta Young show. I think that was what I was doing. I was doing something. And it was back when Shelley Fabre they had that hit, Johnny Angel, yes. and Paul Pearson had my dad. And so they were just a lot of teen stars were recording. And uh, so William Morris called me and said, we've got a recording contract for you. And I went, Really? And they said, yeah, um, they've got four songs they want you to record. And I went, well, I'm not really a singer. And they said, oh, you don't sing? And I said, well, no, not really. And um, I said, I don't know if I can do that. I'm not really a singer. And they said, well, can you carry a tune? And I said, yeah, I can carry a tune. I can sing, but I'm not really a singer. And they said, well, as long as you can carry a tune, no problem. They want it record you so it was on smash records which was a subsidiary of mercury records and all of a sudden before i knew it i was in the studio and they had the you know the orchestra with the violins and the the whole nine yards and the backup singers and the whole thing and there i was singing not knowing what the heck i was doing (laughs) do you remember how long it took to record that um, well, I was in the studio for a few hours because we cut four sides. So it was most of the day, but, it, you know, just the one day. Not... Even that, I mean, it's amazing just how they would crank those out back then. The Brill Building people were writing these songs with a gun to their head, and then they'd just pump them out in books. <laughs> I, I know, it was just bizarre because, I mean, I'm certainly not a singer, but it was really fun for me, and... um I've had people come, I don't know where they, in fact, there's a double CD out called the, the, the Girl Group, and my name is even on the cover, and it's wow. got Dusty Springfield and Connie Francis and uh, the Ronettes and uh, all these people, and it's called the Girl Group, and it's a double um, CD, and Rick Sapphire, who, you know, my website together, and he stumbled upon it. I never even knew that it was out. And so they had never contacted me to see if they could put me on it or there was no compensation. There was no, um, I think they probably thought I was dead by now or something because they never contacted me. And um, so, of course, I never got a penny from it. Not that oh, that I'd, sucks. Well, I mean, I doubt it sold a lot of copies because you'd have to know about it but it was it's the girl group and it's a double cd and there i am with my name on the cover and everything with all these real singers and um but they never 
even contacted me to tell me that I was going to be on it or that they'd like to put me on it or would I want to be or could they or <laughs> could they. It was bizarre. It just, there it was. And I don't know. So it was, just came out and, yeah, it's out there. So. Well, I, I think it's a great little pop tune. I enjoy. It. I actually sent it to my mother to see if she remembered hearing it. She didn't, but she's like, "Oh, I love it though." So, <laughs> thank you. She's the one. Okay. <laughs> oh, so fun. Um, so you've also worked with Ted V. Michaels, another legend in cult films. Yeah. Um, yeah. In his a couple of his more recent films. Uh, Demon Haunt and Astro Zombies, uh, another sequel to Astro Zombies. He did a few of them. Uh, what yeah. are your memories of him? Oh, he was such a character. He was so much fun. And, you know, he had quite the following himself, which I never knew about because I didn't know about all those movies that he when did. When you come through my front door, the first thing you see is a huge picture of a huge movie poster, original poster of the Corpse Grinders. So, I'm a big fan. <laughs> yeah, he was fun. He he was really fun. He lived here in Vegas, and so somebody got word to him that I lived here, and he was here, and so they had me go over to meet him, and then he was sweet enough to put me in, like, I guess I did three or four of his movies, or three, I think, I can't remember, but he was always fun to work with, and he was quite eccentric you know he always wore this giant necklace i don't know what it was if it was a tooth or a it was i don't know if it was an animal's horn or i don't know what it was but it must have weighed 20 pounds it was gigantic and he wore it on a giant chain around his neck and um he was quite the character but a lot of fun and i was always grateful to him when he'd call me and tell me he wanted to use me in this film because he was his mustache all waxed up too i'm sure oh yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it was a lot of fun yeah i miss him i i always enjoyed working with him he's a fascinating guy i mean he goes back so far in the business and as far as cult films go i mean practically everything he's made has ended up becoming having some kind of following behind it um yeah yeah he's fascinating what an exciting, yeah. uh, I mean, just all the things you've done. I'm, I'm sitting here going through, I've got like four pages of notes and I, huh? you know, I look at your IMDB and it's just like you say, you know, when you, you got older and started appreciating how much mm-hmm. you had done and the people you'd worked with, it is overwhelming. I'm sure. Thank you. Yes. I, I truly feel blessed and I, I don't take anything that I've done for granted. I'm just, you know, it's not that I was any better than anybody else or more talented. I was just fortunate, you know, to have been working as much as I did. And it was always fun for me. And I'm always so touched when fans come up and say, oh, I remember you in Old Yeller or whatever movie or Lone Ranger or mm-hmm. Leave it to Beaver or Father Knows Best or any of those, you know, and they'll or they'll say typically it's Spider Baby, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Um, it just, I, I'm, I just, I'm grateful and, and I, you know, they'll come up to my table and they'll say, oh, thank you for being here. And so, and I always think honestly, Dylan, that we're the ones that should be thanking all of you because if it weren't for the fans and the people that come to these shows, we would have no reason to be there. So I think it, it should be the other way around because I'm so grateful for, people who come up and remember any of the shows that I've done or want my photo or want my book or anything like that. So it's just, it touches my heart and I feel so grateful to people that care. <laughs> Cause I think a lot of that appreciation comes from your upbringing. Um, yeah, I, I, I believe so. My parents from the beginning, I think the first, words that I ever learned were please and thank you and um, I was always taught to live in gratitude because you know it sounds cliche but it's true that life is so short and we're only here one time and as they say there's no dress rehearsal (laughs) and you know we 
in life, so many of us go through tragedies, and we all have to live with loss at one time or another. And I read something where they said, we have no control over what happens to us, but we do have control over how we react Mm -hmm. to it and how we respond to it. And just living your life in kindness and gratitude is just, it's so much nicer than to be bitter or angry or mean or um, have regrets. Yeah. So... I asked yeah. that um, based on and something from your book. You you mentioned how when you go to these auditions, um, that you you'd look at the other mothers <laughs> who were who were there and and being a bit stage mothering. And you mentioned how your mother would say, you know, if you don't get it, it's not a worry. Something else is going to come along. And yeah, that was her attitude with it. Yeah, she was always very positive. She was a positive influence in my life. And she always taught me that if I get a part, it doesn't mean that I'm better than somebody else. It was just, it was my turn. And it was, you know, I did a good job and that they were choosing me, but it didn't make me any better than anybody else. And if you don't get it, it doesn't mean that you're not good enough. It just means it's not your turn. It's somebody else's and that hopefully you'll get the next one so that's wonderful just, that's great yeah so. having that you you I, when you mentioned in your book you know the horror stories of child actors and and seeing those other parents who were basically putting their kids up there so they could make money off of them um right, yeah know, story after story of that so the uh, the story like that is just wonderful to hear Thank you. Yeah, because I remember once working with a, another, a little boy actor, and he really did not want to be there. He wanted to be, you know, out playing with his buddies, you know, and ha- having fun. And he was supposed to cry in a in the scene, and he couldn't. He didn't even want to be there. And so the director was getting frustrated, and so finally his mother went over, and she was just shaking him and saying, you get out there and you do this and you better cry. And she was yelling at him, and, of course, that made him cry. And I was young myself. I was probably about 10 or 11, and he was like 6 or 7. And I I never forgot that. It made me so sad because I was happy to be there. I wanted to be there, but... He didn't want to be there, and it made me sad that his mother was shaking him and yelling at him, and, you know, he didn't want to be there. So there's those kind of stories, but, um, yeah. So so what do you have going on now? Uh, Well, I'm going to be in Mars, Pennsylvania. Um, I think it's June 23rd through the 26th. Uh, for a fabulous convention called um, the Monster Bash. And I this, they're so kind because this is like the third time they've invited me back. And I, the guy who puts it on, Ron Adams, is, and he and his wife, Ursula, they're so amazing. And I said, Ron, I, I'm old news. People are going to be sick of me. And he said, no, the basher, they call all the people that come there, they're so loyal. They come every year and um, they... They're referred to as the bashers, the people that come, because they come year after year, and it's a wonderful convention. I'm doing that in um, June, and then in September I'm doing the um, Mid-Atlantic uh, Convention in Maryland, which I've never done before, and that's put on by Martin Grams, and everybody said it's, it's a wonderful convention. And then I'm going to Oakland. They're doing a um, – I can't remember when that is. It's in August – uh, it's a creepy something or other. They're going to be showing Spider Baby, and they want me to be there Q&A. So, um, yeah, so I've been doing stuff like that and supposed to be doing um, narration of a documentary. They're trying to get the funding for it. And uh, so um, just things like that. So I'm And you're still doing movie work according to your IMDb anyway, and I know it's not always the most reliable source, but it looks like Yeah, yeah, I just stuff. a couple little, you know, low budget things, but they've been fun. Um Slammer the um the prison the, girl uh, movie musical. <laughs> yeah, I play a um a nun and it, it's just slapstick. It's just yeah. a very campy. <laughs> 
And but all those things are so fun for me. And um, I'm supposed to be uh, doing a movie in a couple months if it comes through. Uh, it's another little low-budget horror film. So um, they're working on that. And um, so uh, I don't know. I, I'm still above ground, and we'll Holy. keep doing it for, <laughs> for as long as I can. You're still writing for the Vegas Voice, the Hollywood Memories yeah. column. I read your most recent one. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I uh, was that the one with Bobby Rydell on the uh, or, on the cover? Ca- yeah, I don't remember. That's- I found it online and scrolled till I found your your oh, column. Oh. In fact, your column was about um, uh, summer love. Oh, it was. Yeah, oh, I don't. With Molly B. Yeah. Oh yeah, she was darling. Um, yeah, I've been writing for uh, ten, ten or eleven years now. It's just a free little magazine that goes out to all the retirement homes and the libraries and a few casinos and uh, and then it's online too. It's the Vegas Voice. And my column, as you know, is called Hollywood Memories. So that's um, that's you always. Have, you have a lot of animal charities that you're supporting. Yes, I I do. Um, it's just it's heartbreaking. So many homeless animals. So when I do these conventions and people buy my book or they buy my photos or whatever, it gives me the opportunity to give back to the animal. Ch- and there's so many of them. So I alternate. Um, because yeah, I wish I could just give them all millions of dollars and just in homes for all the little sweet homeless animals. So. And, and that's your so your memoir, Real Tears, the Beverly, and that's R E E L, the Beverly Washburn story. Proceeds from that will go to charities, animal charities. Yes, and it, Real Tears Take Two is the one. If anybody is kind enough to buy it. Be sure and get Real Tears Take Two because that's the the the, um, the latest one. It, it the first one. It's a bit redundant because everything that's in the first one is also in this one, but there's a lot more stories and uh, a lot more photos in it. So Real Tears Take Two, um, and it's on Amazon, mm-hmm. and it can be ordered through um, Barnes and Noble or whatever. So. Um, so thank you for talking about my book. <laughs> oh, absolutely! No, it's a it's a fun little read. It's great. Thank, um, thank you. Well, I you've given me so much of your time. Um, a special thanks to Rick Sapphire for helping get this organized and set up and scheduled. Uh, he was uh, really really great uh, with me. Uh, you know, I'm just some crazy fan calling him <laughs> out of the blue and saying, "Does she want to talk to me?" <laughs> oh, no, you're so sweet. No, I'm flattered. I'm so happy that you found me and. It's been so much fun, Dylan. You're so easy to talk to. And for people, if anybody's listening, I, if I didn't put anybody to sleep, I've been talking a long time. I I just thank you all for listening and um, for being supportive. And uh, it's been really fun. I hope one day to get to meet you in person. I would love to. I'm going to try and make it to a convention you're at. Oh, great. Where are you? I'm Where in are you Indi- now? Indianapolis, Indiana. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. Well, I hope it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been really fun, and I'm honored and flattered to be part of your podcast. And I thank you so much for having me. And and tell your son also thank you for liking Spider Baby. That always makes me happy. Can I ask one more question? Sure. I forgot entirely. You worked with Barbara Stanwyck, and I adore Barbara Stanwyck, so I have to ask. Uh, your memories of her? Uh, well, we did a show. It was called uh, Calhoun, and it was intended to be a pilot for a series, which they thought would sell because she had just done, you know, the Big Valley. But it didn't sell, so they ended up just making it a movie of the week, and mm-hmm. I played her daughter. She was very nice. By that time, I was old enough to realize who she was, and I was thrilled to work with her. She was very professional, very nice. She wasn't what I would call warm and fuzzy like Loretta Young, the mother figure. She was more business, but she was very nice and uh, very professional. You know, you, she wanted to make sure everybody was on time, everybody knew their lines, and everybody 
acted accordingly. And um, so I was basically, I was just really honored to have had had the opportunity to work with such a legend. That's great. Yeah, Double Indemnity is one of those, it's another one of those movies I watch at least yearly. Mm -hmm. I love her in that. Yeah, she was incredible. Yeah. Okay. Well, I had I I can't believe I forgot to ask about her earlier. <laughs> well, Beverly, thank you so much. Thank you again, Dylan, so much. Thank you. Stay safe, and I hope to meet you in person one day. Absolutely. Back to you. Okay. Thanks. Bye. There you go, Beverly Washburn. Pretty cool. Glad I got to talk to her. So, I don't have any other interviews in the bank right now. I'm hoping to get some down the line, so I don't know when the next time I'm going to post is going to be, but hopefully soon. I'm talking to Quinn Redeker, also from Spider Baby, also the original story writer for The Deer Hunter. Well, one of them, he and his friend wrote that, the original treatment for The Deer Hunter, and many other things. Uh, he was second lead in the lost film called The Limit, starring Yafit Kodo, also directed by Yafit Kodo. Uh, it's a piece of lost media and black exploitation that, that he was part of. Hopefully he'll be able to tell us a little about that. Um, other than that, I'm still uh, out there pounding the pavement trying to find people. I'm a one-man operation, so uh, it's, uh, it's a little difficult to uh, stay on top of this, but I do my best. Hey, the world's crazy. There's a lot of crazy shit going on right now. I know you feel helpless and that there's nothing you can do, but there is one thing you can do when you're out there, take care of your servers. It's a little kindness that goes a long way. And you gotta do it because with your Walter Paisley Movie House, you do not piss on hospitality. All right guys, hopefully I'll see you soon. Take care until then, bye-bye.